challenge to spend the next 40 days in preparation for Easter by giving up one thing so that you can focus on another. In fact, in your copy of Lifelines today, there's a little card here. And if you would take that and, and please fill that out, we'd just like to have some ideas of what people are giving up and what they're focusing on. I've been so encouraged this week. I was with a young man uh, named Johnny Anthony. And Johnny said that, that he is giving up YouTube. And I didn't recognize what a big deal that could be. It freed him two hours every night to do something special with God. And so what can you give up to free that time? Now last week, we, we introduced this with the idea of fasting. And um, this, this Lent season gives us a, a way to sort of tiptoe into fasting by giving something up. So I wanted to talk um, to my friend Jennifer Woodward this morning a little bit about fasting. We have a whole group of women who every year at the beginning of the year go through a period of prayer and fasting. And I know Jennifer practices this regularly in her life. thought she might be able to help us out. So thank you. So Jennifer, what first motivated you to want to fast? Um, honestly, I would be lying if I said that I just thought fasting was a good idea. Um, I had a friend who God really put on her heart when she was reading the Word one day and studying you know, that Jesus says, not if you fast, but when you fast. And she shared that with me. And she said, you know, be praying about this. I really feel like God is calling us to do this. And neither one of us had really explored it, nor had we really even studied about it. So, you know, it, it wasn't something that came natural. And as I sit before you today, it's not something every year that comes naturally. It's not something that you just jump into and feel like, oh, I, I've conquered this. It's, it's not always easy, um, but it's always a blessing for sure. So, you know, I, I think many of us have been convicted by that one little change of when you fast, Jesus said, not if. Um, the Bible talks a lot about prayer and fasting. How have you experienced the connection between those two things? Um, honestly, I, I mean, I can honestly say over the last five or six years, God has really worked on my heart and I've become more of a prayer warrior. And it's been because I've been kind of thrown in the fire at different times with myself and with other people. But the fasting portion really takes it to another level. Um, this year, I'll use an example. I was telling Buddy when we were talking this year as I started the fast and several years when I fasted, I really didn't have a plan. It was just, we're starting on this day. You know, I need to really focus on what I'm going to give up or, or how I'm going to do this. And this year I felt really confused about it all. I, I didn't think it was going to be easy. It, I really wasn't prepared. I felt very unprepared. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. And um, I'm not going to focus on the details of everything I'm giving up. I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And I did give up a few things, um, and I did start on a specific day, but that was really all I had. And so I told Buddy, as I started praying the first several days, um, after maybe day two or day three, I was just like, Lord, there's so much to pray for. I don't really know how to be specific. You know, I, I, I have so many things on my list. How am I going to fast for, like, just one thing, one, one big thing? You know, because a lot of times I think, the enemy convinces us that, oh, you, you know, you really only need to fast when you're trying to find a new job or when someone is sick or when um, you have a big decision to make. And I had a lot of things on my heart, but I really didn't know where to begin. 
So I really just started with quiet time and prayer on that day and asking the Lord, what do you, what do you have for me in this fast? What, what are you going to bring to me, Lord? And he was so faithful. Um, and just to kind of shorten the story, he gave me a word and I don't, I don't typically get a word every year. I know some of you probably do, but the Lord's never really just said, Jennifer, this is your word for 2021 or 2022. But this year he said, you know, your word this year, I want you to really be prayerful all year about being intentional. And it's funny that that this is our sermon series, but um, a few days after that, um, I met with a Christian counselor, Jonathan and I actually did together, just to talk about our lives and some things that we really wanted to be focused on. And she looked at us and said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You guys are really trying to be intentional. Mm. And so it was really confirmation to me that that I don't have to have a plan. The Lord has a plan, and he's really just inviting us to join him. I really love you sharing that because so often I thought, I've got to have this major purpose outlined already. And yet the the major focus from what I'm hearing you say is to seek God and seek his purposes. So one more question, Jennifer. How has fasting and praying changed you and blessed you? Well, I think our world and us, because we live in it, it's so easy to be distracted and it's so easy to be of the flesh and every single day I struggle with that so I I don't sit before you having it all figured out I don't and I think because I don't have it all figured out I probably try to seek the Lord a little harder and and I just sit at his feet as much as possible because I'm so lost but I would say that prayer and fasting really draws you closer to the heart of the Lord. I, I don't believe there's any sweeter experience in this life. And I'm a mother of two children, married to a wonderful husband. I have a great family, but I don't know that there's anything sweeter in this world than experiencing a relationship with the Lord, an intimate relationship with the Lord, and sometimes just hearing his voice and not audibly necessarily, but feeling his presence. And I feel like that's what prayer and fasting does, is it draws you into that inner sanctuary with the Lord, and it's just you and Him. Now, our corporate group, you know, we're able to share our experiences, which is an even greater blessing, but if it's just you and the Lord, there's nothing more precious um, than that. And to know that he's meeting you where you are, whether you're broken, whether you're joyful, in a place of repentance, it's just, even in some of my darker fasts, I told Buddy, where I felt like the Lord was kind of just cleansing me and saying, Jennifer, I don't have anything else to do, but just kind of humble you a little bit and bring you closer to me. That was still the sweetest time for me and life-changing. So I just encourage anyone who hasn't tried, try it on a small scale. You don't have to do something grand and big. You definitely don't have to tell anybody. You just tell the Lord and, and he'll meet you there. Hmm. Can y'all thank Jennifer? What, what great insight. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. I hope that encourages all of us and motivates us over these next 40 days as we're trying to give something up to be able to do exactly what she's talking about. I'm so encouraged by that. Guys, when we talk about habits, um, habits really determine our life. A Duke University study said 40% of what we do is by habit. And in some ways, that's really good. 
Because when you get in your car tomorrow to go home from work, you don't really have to even be conscious and think about the turns that you're going to make. You're able to allow your mind to focus on something else because you do that by habit. On the other hand, it can be bad for us because often we're unaware of this 40% of our life that's habits. It's like Nathan said earlier, many of our habits are bad habits. And yet, because I sort of put it on autopilot, in this 40% of my life I don't really have to think about, often it's forming me in a way that's not healthy. Now, let me share just a couple of good quotations with you. One by James Clear, Atomic Habits. Goals don't determine success, habits do. You see, we all think if I just had the right goals, I would be okay. The truth is we almost all share the same goals. You know, for instance, someone might say, I want to lose weight. Wow, that's an awesome goal. But unless you create some habits of exercising and eating less or counting your calories, unless you create a system of habits, it's just going to frustrate you. And I love this, this quotation from Justin Early. Habits form more than our schedule. They form our hearts. You see, you become the result of your habits. And the scary thing about what we've said so far is you might not even be aware of what those 40% of habits are. So that's a lot of what we're doing in this series. is saying let's step back for a moment. Let's evaluate our habits. How many of them are healthy? How many of them are unhealthy? Because listen to me, friends. Even Jesus lived by habit. Listen to this passage, Luke 4, verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been and was brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Say those words in yellow with me. As was his custom. Jesus had habits. And one of his habits was going to church. And we'll see another one in just a few moments. So we all form our lives through habits. Now this morning I'm really excited because we're going to talk about what one book, The Power of Habits, calls a keystone habit. What's a keystone habit? I I call it the first domino. This is a habit that once you put it in motion, it changes ten other habits. Once you do this habit regularly, it changes a lot about your life. Listen to this quotation. It's often the small things people don't receive, don't see, that results in the big things everyone wants. You see, I look at someone and I go, wow, you know, boy, they have really gotten in good shape. I think, man, I want that. But I don't see behind the scenes how much they exercise. I see someone who saved well for retirement, and I go, wow, I would love that. But I don't see at age 25, they started stocking away $25 a month. You know, we see someone who's strong spiritually, and we go, wow, I want to be that way. Or someone who's leading their family in a godly way, we think, man, I want that. But here's the problem is, so often, I just see that big thing, I don't see behind it, or just some small habits that actually Form that. One of my favorite illustrations about this is from um, the famous UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. Wooden won 10 national championships in college basketball. Unheard of. 
But you need to know what he did on his first practice every year. He didn't do dribbling drills. He didn't do sprints. He didn't practice free throws. They didn't practice shots. They didn't practice layups. The entire first practice was given to learning how to put your socks and shoes on. He would spend the whole practice teaching them how to properly put a sock on, properly put their shoes on, properly tie it because he had seen so many basketball players with all kinds of blisters because they didn't know it. But the goal was more than just not having blisters. The goal he was teaching, if you step back for a moment, is great things start with what? Small things. You're going to win a national championship, man, you want to go all the way and, you know, be shooting that three-point shot. Wooden says, no, no, no. It starts way before that. It starts in the locker room when you're tying your shoes. And guys, in Scripture, I want to turn you to a great Bible example. It's Daniel. Now, when we think about Daniel, we think of Daniel in the what? Lion's den, okay? Most of you aren't Bible scholars this morning. Daniel in the what? Lion's den. Okay, I want you to look at Daniel's life because Daniel had all of these big things in his life. I mean, Daniel was a Jewish young man in captivity, and yet he was brilliant. He had a spirit of excellence. Everything he touched turned to gold. And the leader, this this heathen king named Darius, recognized that this guy's got it together. And so he made him a satrap. There were 120. That's more what we would call a governor. And then he noticed him even stronger, and he made him, you know, one of the three people in his cabinet, we would say. And then finally, Darius says, Daniel, you are so impressive. I'm going to just turn the keys to the kingdom over to you and let you run it. And so we see in Daniel this example of someone from the outside who had all these big things going. But what I want you to see this morning was all of those stemmed from a really small thing he did every day. So turning your Bible or on your phones to Daniel chapter 6, let's, let's begin looking at verse, verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds of charges for Daniel. You see, when Darius says, I want to make Daniel in charge... Everybody else was insanely jealous and wanted to bring him down. So they're looking for charges. They tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Wouldn't you love to have a government official today if you cut the microscope up and you said, I want to find one little thing of corruption, one little area of negligence, and you walked away and said, can't find one. They've got it together. So then what do they do? Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They finally give up. They've they've cut the microscope up, and all they can see, maybe, is he worships his foreign god. I can imagine a professor on a major university campus who's respected, who's loved, who everybody wants to be in their class, and there's people jealous. And they finally try to investigate to find something. And the only thing they can find is he's a believer in God, 
And he believes some things today that are politically incorrect. And they look to that to find excuse to fire him. We see that happen. That's what's going on with Daniel. So the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. Nice opening line. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors had all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or any human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. So um, Darius hears this, and Darius agrees to it, and he puts it in law. We call it the law of the Medes and the Persians. And their laws were different than ours. Once they were written, you could not amend them. Once they were down, you couldn't change them. So King Darius has been trapped into executing his number one man. And so look what happens in verse 10, and here's the small secret habit. Now, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went to his home, to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel has a habit of praying to God three times a day. And when the edict is issued, Daniel doesn't back down. I want to say, time out, Daniel. I mean, couldn't you skip it just a few days to save your life? I mean, what's 30 days can do? Daniel, couldn't you at least shut your windows so they don't know what's going on? I mean, isn't your life more important than you prove in this point? But my friends, for Daniel, this was a daily domino habit that changed everything. And he wouldn't give it up. He shows up on the days where he feels like it, the days he doesn't feel like it, the days where it's popular, and the days where it's unpopular. I'm telling you, Daniel wouldn't even skip it on the day you skip an hour for daylight savings time. Right? I mean, he was committed to it. And we see the result of this was his life. So, I want to challenge you this morning. Because if we keep reading the story, King Darius notices. He has to throw him in the lion's den. He does. King Darius is so upset he can't sleep. He runs to the lion's den the next day. Screams down there, Daniel, is there any way you're still alive? Daniel says, not a lion has touched me. He pulls him up out. He throws those other satraps in the lion's den where they're all eaten up. And then Darius promotes Daniel to this position. And if you read closely, Darius makes one of the greatest confessions of who the Almighty God is. And I say this, guys, we see these great things about Daniel, we want to applaud. But what you need to see is it wasn't this goal that changed him. It was his habit of being so close to God. And so this morning, I want to challenge you about what I call this first domino habit. And it's what you do when you wake up. And I'm going to give you two very, very specific things to do when you wake up that I think would make an incredible difference. You see, often when we wake up, our first thoughts have to do with maybe guilt. A lot of times I wake up and I think about what I didn't get done yesterday or what I messed up yesterday. Anybody like that? 
Or, or it might be I wake up and it's not guilt, I think, but it's anxiety. The first thing I do when I wake up is I start making my to-do list. And I'm thinking about all the things I've got to do that day. And so that leads to a sense of anxiety. Or maybe your first thoughts are actually just senses of dread. You know, something's going to happen bad today. Things are not quite the way they ought to be. Now, now look at that list. How many of us wake up that way? Now, I'm, I'm telling you, that will set the tone for your day. And, and even worse than that is those are from Satan. Those are not gospel thoughts. Because all of those thoughts have to do with my performance. All of those thoughts have to do with I can control it. My friends, the gospel says to you that God's in control. And your self-worth is not based on your performance. It's based on the grace of God. And so we should not be people who wake up that way. And yet that's so easy to do. So let me give you two powerful morning habits. Number one, knees before feet. Say that out loud. Knees before feet. The first thing you do in the morning is then you slip out of bed, is get on your knees before your bed. Now do a few things. For some of us, it'll give you a little pain, all right? So it, it probably helped wake you up a little bit. But it will also do more than that. Your body is communicating with your mind of who's most important. When you slip on your knees before you get on your feet, you are humbling yourself before Almighty God. I've, I've been practicing this just these last few days. And again, it doesn't take but a couple seconds. But just slip off your bed, on your knees, and pray. And, and there are two things I would encourage you to pray about just in just a, a couple of sentences. First of all, it would be claim a truth about God or about who you are. And cast a vision for your day. It, it, it's like this. You, you slip out of bed. And you say, Lord, I know that you have unconditional love for me. Lord, may I show that same kind of love to others. Lord, I recognize first thing this morning that you are all powerful. Would you please help me? Jesus, I recognize that you've appointed me to be your ambassador. W would you help me to represent you well? God, I know there's nothing but good in you. May good permeate my day as I live it for you. Just that quick. God, here's who you are. Here's who you said I am. And here's who I visualize being for you today. So what, what's our first habit? Say it out loud with me. <laughs> you guys, we, we, we are missing that hour. Say it, say it with some enthusiasm. Knees before feet. The next habit may be the most challenging for many of us. Bible before phone. Say that with me. Bible before phone. Because one of our problems is we set the tone of our day by waking up to our phone. Too many of us live with our phone right beside our bed. And by the time we wake up, we've got all these notifications. We've got all these messages to respond to. If you're not careful, you see all these emails of things that you, you've got to do. My friends, that's the way to start your day off in the way we just talked about. 
You, you start your day off with that sense of anxiety. Oh my goodness, I got to get back with this person and I need to respond to this email. And you know, one of the worst things is, is you probably have all these news alerts. And, and let me tell you something, guys. These news people are making their money by making us mad. You know what I mean? I mean, that's why news is so bad. They don't make money if everything was good. They make money if they can tick you off. And so when you look at your news notifications at the beginning of the day, whatever network you like to look at, they're trying to tick you off about something or somebody else. And so if you look at that first thing in the morning, you're going to start your day in anger. So I'm telling you, put your phone to the side. Now, for some of you, this is going to lead to this radical thing, is you might even need to use a paper Bible, okay? They, they still make them. You can still buy them. It's crazy. I mean, just, just, just get you a, a paper Bible. And I'm not saying on the, this, this may not be your Bible study time. This may be a time where you just you look at one verse. And maybe you're disciplined enough to use your phone, and you can avoid all those things and go to you version and, and, and just find a verse for the day. But start your day on your knees, and before you get on your phone and get all distracted, spend a moment in scriptures. Because here's what Satan would like. Satan would like your phone to speak the first words of your day. And it's not good. Because what God wants is for you to know who you are in Him so that you are ready to face this world with His love. It's powerful. I'm just telling you this morning, this is not a real complicated message, but I really believe this message could change me and you. And it could change the way you start your day, and it could have the domino effect, because the way I've started my day with God, it can change almost everything about my day because I'm letting God set the tone. Now I want you to stand now and re- we're going to read some passages that I call morning promises, okay? There's, there's so many great promises in Scripture about what happens when you start your mornings with God, okay? Now, let's go into the next thing. Look, read with me Psalms 5 verse 3. Let's, let's, let's read with some enthusiasm here. You ought to be woke up by now. You are standing up. All right. Or maybe I should get you on your knees. Oh, let's read together. All right. Say it with me. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait. Look at this next psalm. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Keep going. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Look at this next passage. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every... Great is your faithfulness. And listen, even Jesus started His day like this. Read it with me. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solid place where he prayed. Claim those promises. Please just remain standing. Because the, the point of this message today is so simple. It's that first domino. I love the graphic we're using. Where that first domino goes so long and it starts so small. But by the end, man, it's impacting something big. We've seen it in the life of Daniel. Who just a small practice 
of three times a day praying toward the temple was so powerful for him. And I'm telling you today, I believe if you would practice what we're talking about today, and I would, knees before feet, Bible before phone, it can make a big difference. Because remind, I want to remind you of what we said at the beginning. Goals don't determine your success. Habits do. You can tell me all day long, but I want to leave this place. I want to be closer to God. I want to feel His presence. I want to start my morning well. But listen, my friends, if you don't create the habits that bring that, if you just stay with those 40% of those habits that you do, like I do, almost unconsciously, I don't know about you, but I just sort of start my day the way I start my day. I've never really, I mean, I try to read my Bible at some point today, but I've never really thought about being this specific of getting on my knees and not looking at my phone before I look at my Bible. And yet I believe the results of that can be so very powerful because this is just a part of a system of habits that change your a process. And what I'd like to challenge you with right now is, do you like the system of habits you're living by broadly? Because, listen guys, you become your habits. We'd like not to believe that. But you become your habits. And the best habit you could start, the best habit I've ever made in my life was when I finally said to Jesus, no matter what happens, I will never, ever stop following you. Because, guys, if you're not following Jesus, if you're not taking that first step toward Jesus, I'm telling you what you're experiencing, you will at some point in life, it's not going to work. Lord, guys, God knows you. You see, Jesus didn't just come to die to pay the penalty for your sins. Jesus didn't just come so that you could go to heaven. Jesus came to show you how to live life right now. And so the first small change you may need to make, even right now, is to step out in this aisle to say, I surrender to Jesus. You're already standing all it's going to take is putting one step in front of another till you end up here on this front row and you say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. If you need to take that step, just that small step that will make incredible results, why don't you come right now as we sing together?